0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear.
0: Welcome back, everybody. What is good? Happy New Year to all of you. Happy New Year to my two fabulous hosts on the show uh or guests on the show or whatever they're the guys that you're all here to to see and listen to anyway uh you're listening to the sean moran and sherelle mcmillan feature of coast to coast podcast on insidecarolina.com. uh as usual i am uh, just merely your host joey powell uh sean and sherelle do join me as usual but happy new year to everybody glad you made it Uh, We finally put 2020 to bed. we got some new stuff to talk about, new things to look forward to, specifically around the world of Carolina basketball. And take a moment before we get rolling to tell you thank you for listening and or watching for checking us out on YouTube. Either way, however you're consuming this, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. And if you're listening uh, on some medium, please take a second to rate and review us goes a long way. We really appreciate it. If you don't like what we're doing, tell us you don't like what we're doing. We'll try to up our game. Um, boys, welcome in. First off, Sean, how are you?
1: I'm doing pretty well. It was uh it's nice to do this after a win.
0: Yeah, Cheryl, how you doing, man? I'm pretty good. No complaints. Happy yeah. to be here. Yep. Long day of, of NFL football. <laughs> let's uh, let's cap it and talk some college basketball. First off, uh, tell me about Nick Smith. Uh, for those who are, are just hearing this name for the first time, uh, he is a kid from Arkansas, not a place that North Carolina typically recruits from. Um, but he got an offer last week. Uh, Sherelle, I'll let you tell the folks a little bit about that recruitment, how it's developing. And then, Sean, I'll, uh, I'll let you talk a little bit about his game and what you see. Sherelle, sure. go ahead.
2: Yeah, so uh, for the 75th time in Coast to Coast history, we're going to talk about a guy that UNC would have watched during the spring and summer evaluation periods <laughs> if they had him, but he was definitely uh, high on their list. Uh, he plays for Brad Bill Elite, which is the AAU team of uh, Caleb Love. It used to be the St. Louis Eagles back in the day uh, when Ben McLemore and a couple other guys played for them. Um, Bradley Bill as well. And obviously they changed the name. Hence the name. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But he came through that program, uh, again, from Arkansas, the first uh, offer from Arkansas since Malik Monk. And besides that, I, I couldn't find another offer from Arkansas uh, over the last 20 years. So, uh, again, a unique place for you to see a recruit. But you have to remember that there are a lot of high school coaches from that area who remember Roy uh, from back in the day when he was at Kansas And mm-hmm. Arkansas, uh, was in the Southwestern Conference, I think it was, back then.
0: Southwestern, uh, Big 8, I don't know, one of those yeah, that was Yeah, Big 8,
2: right, right But there are so many high school coaches who Remember him, so, you know, North Carolina still has Some uh, some gravitas in, in Arkansas, I would say Smith, uh, I think the best thing about him And maybe this is going to be a welcome uh, Thing to hear from UNC fans Is that he can really shoot um, <laughs> I think, you know, we asked him, you know, what's your Number one thing, and at first he said shooting Then he said scoring, and obviously there's a big Difference between shooting and scoring, but I do think He's a, a, a pretty good shooter. Um, it's something uh, that, you know, everybody to a T says they like about him. Um, other than that, you know, he seems pretty open to North Carolina. And he has a, a good understanding of the program from when we talked to him. Uh, and, you know, it seems like a good offer. And they're definitely going to need more guards in 2022 that we like we've been talking about, because, you know, there's a scenario where they only have two or three guards on the roster. Um, so it's important to get more offers out. In that class, and Nick Smith is, is a natural one, I would say.
0: Sean, I, I think if if I'm remembering, <laughs> six four uh, wing guard. If, if anybody has, um, if anybody has not seen the article that was up on in South Carolina last week, make sure you check that out. Sean, what can you, what else can you tell me about his game and his style? shrell was was really um, was really good about letting us know his his scoring capabilities, specifically around shooting. But what have you seen in some of his film?
1: Yeah, you, you know, six four as you mentioned, uh, pretty. Pretty lanky, um, so it looks like he has some length. Uh, pretty, pretty skinny right now, so definitely uh, should be able to put on some strength down the road. I think, you know, one of the things when I was going through really his first two years in Arkansas as a freshman, he was listed at six foot one hundred and twenty. So you never, know, you know, are they high? Are they low? Is he really six four? But at least that shows that he's been been growing over over the years, and and could have another kind of you know one to two inches to get up to. Six, five, you know, even six six. So from a size, uh, definitely has a good size. Shooting, you mentioned, um, very comfortable catch and shoot, kind of, you know, current three-point, uh, college three-point, NBA range. Um, but when you're kind of talking about shooting versus – or Shirell was talking about shooting versus scoring, um, you know, he could definitely do both. Obviously, you want to be able to shoot the ball and not just be able to, quote-unquote, score the ball and maybe be a 30% three-point shooter. But he can shoot. Uh, but at the same time he could he could get into the like the teeth of the defense whether it was through pick and roll or off the dribble and sometimes it wasn't all the way to basket but he could get into the paint where you know he, he had a floater a little mid-range um, pretty good just ability with his body when he did get to the get to the paint uh, to be able to, to uh, kind of avoid the taller defenders finish with both hands not the most I'd say explosive guy off of two feet um, where he definitely enjoyed being more of a two footed jumper than a one footed, but um, you know, he, once again, he could get to the basket, he could do it off the dribble. So that was something I definitely liked to see more than just him being a spot up shooter. Uh, So I think, you know, he's seen his ranking uh, really kind of go up from uh, really the forties and fifties up to where he's at 25 right now. And really, any of the events that he's been at recently, he's always gotten high praise. Um, so I think this is a guy that will continue uh, to increase from a skill set perspective, and he's already got a lot to work with.
0: Sheryl, what else you want to tag on to that?
2: I would just say he is a kid with a chip on his shoulder. I know that's something that's also uh, in demand for a lot of schools lately. Um, but just talking to him on the phone, exchanging text messages with him, kind of getting to know his family. Um, he definitely feels a, a bit overlooked. And now that could be because there was no AAU basketball this past summer, and that would have been his big breakout. But <clears throat> I think from scanning some of the um, the lists, uh, the, the rankings lists, and who's getting offers from where, I think he feels a, a bit disrespected. And that's always a good thing for, for players to have that extra motivation because you don't want to get someone who feels they, you know, that, what they have wasn't earned. And I, I think he feels like everything he he's gotten as far as offers that he's really earned and that he's had to take a, a harder road than most. So uh, I think that's something to watch for and that he seems like a, a pretty tough kid just in, you know, the beginnings of, of getting to know him.
0: Sean, I know you love when I ask this, got any player comparisons for for Nick Smith, for our listeners and viewers. Um, I, I was trying to think in terms of a player
1: comparisons, um, you know, from a Carolina perspective nobody's kind of jumping jumping out right off the top of my head I mean go, maybe Sheryl can add at any Carolina players but I think the fact that um you know a mixture of the the shooting and the ability you know I don't to be honest Hunter Salas kind of jumped in my mind uh right right off the bat I think a much better shooter but a little bit of the ability to get into the the paint uh definitely kind of a two guard that um is a natural two guard that can handle the ball. Uh, as kind of a maybe a backup one or a guy that will be trying to play the one uh more in the future um shooting I, th- I think not a comparison in on that one but in terms of style of play a little bit I to be honest it was Hunter Salas that was kind of popping in my mind um but but yeah I think you know we've talked about the UNC wings and how really the ones that have have been standouts have been the guys that can you know really shoot the ball and obviously it helps to the athletic and get to the basket, but you don't need to have a lot of ISO capabilities with what, you know, how UNC's offense is running. And I think, I think that could definitely be a fit with his shooting ability and his, his skill off the dribble is just kind of an added bonus. So I kind of avoided that question, but. Um, Sorry,
0: I, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight you on the Hunter Salas comparison. I'm just, I need you to take somebody with a very small, narrow and able to comprehend mind like myself and show me, uh, show me another picture so that I can get it. Um, and I appreciate you trying to humor me there. Um, all right, guys, another million-dollar question: Who's the next one to receive, uh, to receive the the rose from uh, from Roy Williams and his staff? Shirell, I'll go to you first.
2: That's tough. Uh, you know, all speculation put out just. This is speculation. This is not informed or anything. So, I don't want anybody to get upset if he doesn't get offered in the next week or so or uh, (laughs) whatever. But I think Brandon White, uh, who is a uh, forward out in North Carolina, goes to Winston-Salem Christian. I think he's one who probably we should have on our radar. Uh, You know, we, again, we were talking in our our side uh, chat. And, you know, me, Sean, and Ben, and, and Rob Harrington. And I think we all kind of agreed that Smith was was the most likely candidate. And I think if you start talking about contact and uh, who UNC is calling and kind of us getting the word back, I think White is, is kind of primed. He's a local kid. Um, I'm sure they have a lot of film on him. Um, I'm sure they have good relationships with the coaches from previous recruitments. Um, so he, he's one I would definitely watch. He's a I think he's 6'9", six, 6'10", six, forward um that we've had an intro on in the last couple of months and I think Sean um we've talked about him on the podcast as well
0: yeah I was going to mention that I think uh, I think Sean or someone had done if it wasn't Sean doing a, a breakdown I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys mentioned him recently specifically because I remember um that went to Salem Christian mentioned so uh Sean anybody you would like to see get an offer next based on on who you've been watching
1: well I mean I think the one just going back to Nick Smith I think the one good thing is just kind of getting out of the, out of the state of North Carolina. I mean, I, I think it, it definitely, you know, especially for North Carolina to, to focus and try to grab, you know, those top guys coming out each year. Uh, but I think it's nice to kind of see them looking out of state, especially as we're, you know, Carolina is trying to get back into that upper echelon discussion of teams and and talent. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think Nick Smith um, and Shrill kind of, Uh, offline, kind of teed that one up last week, so I was able to watch a little bit more. Um, You know, I think it'll be interesting to see who they do target next. You know, really, we had the Dillingham offer in 2023, the first one to kick that off, and now we're back in 2022. Um, And I think we're just going to continue to see most of those, you know, come out over the next, really, two months um, heading into that spring time period. Uh, Obviously, 2021 seems to be... Unless some things come up in, in March, um, not a whole lot going on there. And, and this is really the time that UNC has done well in the past in terms of identifying some current juniors that maybe are a little underlooked going into quote unquote AAU season in the spring.
2: And I would throw another name out there, kind of under the radar, Colin Smith, who is a combo forward out of Dallas, who was a teammate of Harrison Ingram. Um, when, when, uh, this year or or the last couple of years, um, six, seven, six, eight combo forward, Steve Robinson has seen him a lot. UNC seen him a lot. So I I think that's one that, um, just kind of we're, we're monitoring closely that could, you know, kind of, uh, go from just conversations to an offer pretty quickly.
0: All right. Good stuff, fellas. Appreciate you bringing the noise there as always. Uh, it's good information to kind of keep our listeners and viewers, with their finger on the pulse of what's happening with regard to recruiting, potential prospects, uh, offers, you know, commits maybe down the line. Uh, we'll take a quick break before we pivot to looking towards uh, the current team, you know, looking back, but then also looking towards the current team's upcoming schedule. want to make sure that I give some love to our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt. New year, get you some new gear. Hit up johnnytshirt.com. Johnny T-Shirt has been supporting Inside Carolina for a long, long time. We want to continue to support them right on Franklin Street, johnnytshirt.com. Now that we've gotten through the rush of the holidays, uh, you can actually start getting stuff. I think the the postal delivery system has actually gotten back normal. So Johnny T-Shirt is going to be quick to get you your stuff. Go online, johnnytshirt.com. Don't forget Inside Carolina premium subscribers. Get an extra 10% on top of that. So make sure you use that code when you're ordering. But the biggest thing, go to Johnny T-Shirt, hit them up take care of them. They've been taking care of us and we want to make sure that we send them uh, all of our business right now. We'll take a quick break. Let some of the national guys run some of their commercial stuff. And then we'll get right back talking about the current team. Thanks for sticking around. This is the Coast to Coast podcast on InsideCarolina.com. I'm Joey Powell. With me still, Cheryl McMillan, Sean Moran. You guys are bringing the thunder this week as they always do, boys. Uh, let's talk about what's going on and what's going on the past week. Uh, after a really, really brutal loss to who I think is a bad Georgia Tech squad, um, the Tar Heels did rebound for a win at home against Notre Dame. Uh, In 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 ugly fashion, and that's kind of what I want to throw to you, and Sean, I'll go to you first. At this point, does an ugly win matter?
1: No. I mean, at at this point, a a win is a win. Um, You know, it could have easily been 0-3 yesterday. Um, You know, Notre Dame is not a tournament team, Um, a very suspect defense, um, which is kind of surprising why it was such a low-possession game. But I think, you know, seeing that last-second shot, uh, fall short and then the ball fall out of bounds as the clock went to zero I think uh, <laughs> you know every, anybody that would take it besides the people that might have been dumb enough to take UNC minus um, 10 in that one but you know once again they had a led 30 really 36 minutes of the Georgia Tech game and kind of gave that one away so to kind of at least um, you know go into this this coming stretch at one and two in conference and and a win, because, you know, once again, a win just does so much in terms of confidence and, and the mood where at least hopefully they will be kind of a pep in everybody's step just getting on the board.
0: Yeah, you know, we talked earlier in some previous episodes about how this team was starting really slow out of the gate. And and now that that's, you know, neither here nor there, I feel like we don't really get the same anything from this from this roster at all. I feel like every game you're seeing different stuff both good and bad. And after the Georgia Tech game, you know, it was tough to see a loss, but there were some things that absolutely were improvements that came from that game and also from the NC State game as bad as they were. Uh, Sherelle, I want to throw to you. We finally got some lineup changes that we've kind of talked about here on the show the last couple of weeks. But did you expect to see two different lineups in two straight games from Roy Williams?
2: No, uh, I think um, the first one really surprises because not only was it three people changing. Usually when Roy was changing the starting <laughs> lineup, it's, you know, One guy. Cam- yeah. Bringing Cam Johnson in and, and sending Garrison Brooks to the bench or something like that. Right. That's the kind of change or, or just sitting someone for a game to get their attention. This was not only taking three people, but you know, three of your most experienced players or two of your most experienced players and then you're kind of prize recruit in the class. Um, so it, it wasn't something done lightly. I don't think. And um. It usually comes around this time of year. There's usually one in kind of late December, and there's usually one kind of in early February. So the timing was was um, was familiar, but I, like I said, just the the amount of moves was surprising, and I think it it helped a little bit. Uh, but I think you know we'll talk about it. But it just comes down to the same root issue for this team, and until that improves, you know you're just not going to see ventures Carolina team. I think people have to readjust their expectations, not in what Carolina can be this season, though that's getting close. I think in what they look like, you're going to have to just realize this is not going to be anything near a, a ventures Carolina team. It's not even going to score at times like last year. Did I mean, last season they scored what? 98 points against Duke.
0: They could run um, with people. Yeah. Yeah. They,
2: yeah. And that's just not this team's DNA right now. I don't think it's going to be, this is going to be ugly basketball for the rest of the season. Um, is going to be, you know, very uh, throwbackish to the 1980s with eight guys in the paint. And Carolina <laughs> fans are just we're just going to have to accept it for at least, I think, the remainder of this year because that is their best way to win right now. You saw what De'Ron Sharp did uh, yesterday, um, just a phenomenal game, and, and that's their path to victory. You talked about you don't know what, you know, this North Carolina team can kind of do game to game, and Sean has said it the whole season. Offensive rebound, just the way they do that partly because they miss so many shots, but the way they're able to do that, uh, just keeps them in games and it's just going to look like this. So I think there needs to be an adjustment of expectation about how the product on the court is going to look
0: for our listeners that remember the, uh, late eighties, early nineties, Pistons and New York Knicks. Uh, a lot of that comes to mind as far as just the brutality that happens in the paint with this team and them trying to, to get on the board, however they can, uh, something kind of leading out from that, that wrote uh, from the rotation and the, the lineup changes. I feel like the bench is probably going to have to start getting uh getting a little shorter. A- am I reaching here? Sean, your thoughts on that?
1: No, I mean, I think it's been definitely good to see them just trying to figure out what can work and throwing a lot of different lineups and players out there. Um, Cause once again, you didn't go through the preseason. You didn't go through all the games to really f- figure out what, people have uh but at the same time you know unc's function best when it's going really eight deep um i don't think we know who those eight are right now but at the same time you know for instance against georgia tech um and not to pick on him but i thought kessler's minutes maybe were a little too much um and maybe same thing against notre dame um so i do think there's still you know miami will probably see a lot of the same but i i think that as these different lineups are tested that we will start to see a lineup shrink a little bit and kind of your, your puffs and, and walkers are going to um, start to see their time decrease unless they do come in and, you know, are playing really well. And then they'll play more. But I think those two will be the guys that are are kind of seeing the short end of, of the rotation uh, sometime soon.
0: Sherelle, similar thought I'll throw to you. I, I kind of feel like, Kessler is going to end up being the odd man out mainly because he got a late start due to some missing some practice during install periods. But then when you've seen Baycott have the production that he's had uh, and Sean makes a great point about the, the minutes that Kessler was getting when Baycott was having a great game, if memory serves. Uh, and then you see how De'Ron Sharp produced against Notre Dame this past weekend. Those two guys have been really shining I think Roy Williams is probably going to defer to the fact that he has three years of, of work with Garrison Brooks makes me think that Kessler may actually end up kind of getting that limited exposure role. Uh, is it bad for him to, to be kind of paired back for now and, and reined in a little bit or at least have his minutes trimmed until he he figures it out or gets a little stronger or maybe just finds his niche.
2: Yeah, I think that question is more of an individual question as opposed to a a, um, staff philosophy. I think with Kessler, I think you can see his confidence waning a little bit, and it's very hard to gain confidence when you don't play. So I think for him, it might be a situation where you have to let him play through some mistakes. And maybe, you know, uh, just side note, Mac Brown talked about uh, this weekend about how Saturday night the opt-outs hurt UNC, but in the long run, it was good for the program. And I think that is some of the, the lessons that I think maybe Rowan's and the staff need to use with Kessler in that, you know, you anticipate him being there at least two years. Um, but you, you have to you have to build him up a little bit and give him some confidence that he can come in and do some things, not just, um, you know, next year when some people are gone. But even this year, I mean, we've talked about it so many times over the years. There's a game, you know, at Florida State or at Virginia or, or somewhere where North Carolina is in a funk and they're down five with eight minutes left and Bro Williams goes to a strange lineup and somebody magically delivers because mm-hmm. they got that experience in November and December playing against, in normal years, teams who maybe weren't as talented as UNC. So I, I think the rotation, to answer your question, in a very long-winded way, I think it does. It is going to pare down some as you, know, you kind of get into the meat of the ACC schedule. But I think there he has to find a way to get Puff and to, and Kessler um, regular minutes every game. I don't think I, I think it'd be bad for both of them if there was games where they got one or two minutes, just because UNC's going to need them not just this year but also in the future. Uh, but also because they're really talented players, and who knows what's you know what spark what could spark them into to playing really well. So um, yeah, I, you know I, I think for Kessler in in particular, they need to to keep him playing to build up his confidence.
0: And again, we have said it ad nauseum, so forgive me for beating this dead horse, but this is just one of those years where, <clears throat> excuse me, missing so many games, you know, because of the later start of the season, really handicaps players like the two that you just mentioned, Shirelle, Um, in Johnson and in Kessler. Uh, last thing I want to ask about specific lineup changes and the kind of the makeup of this team. We talked about, you know, just the, the unbelievable uh, issue of kind of, I guess this was a problem of, of riches that UNC had with post players. And I'm starting to wonder now looking at the statistical production, is it possible for UNC to get production out of two post players in the same game? And I just, I don't see that. I know they're going to have to, but it just hasn't happened yet. Sean, tell me why I'm wrong.
1: Well, I mean, I think Notre Dame, well, once again, Notre Dame is a smaller team and definitely Uh, on a defensive end, probably one of the worst teams in the ACC. But while Dayron had a great game, you know, Armando was just, I thought he missed a lot of easy shots. So I thought that could have been a game where those two were, were playing well. Um, So once again, this is a team that is basically going three deep with true centers and playing two at the same, same time for the most part, which makes it hard and makes it congested. But I think last week we talked about on the podcast for Brooks, if he can start hitting, you know, really that 15 to 17 foot jump shot. And I think we did start to see that a little bit more this past week in both the games. And now all of a sudden, if he's doing that, it makes it a little easier to dump it down low to Armando or Dayron without having three guys on them. Um, So I think, you know, once again, Dayron, every time he gets out on the court, sometimes he's going too fast for himself, but you see him, you know, he's, Playing so hard and he's continually getting better and you have armando who's been so efficient and you know so much more just athletic and and quick to do everything this year so i do i definitely do think we'll start to see the two bigs playing well together um now can they get it where you know they're playing well together and then you substitute a guy in and he's continuing at that high level yes and no um and once again it's also going to come down to the guard play and can they enter the ball to the (laughs)
0: big can we make a good post feed yeah (laughs) and
1: and can they provide spacing and those things are going to still take a while but i I do think it's possible for the two bigs to play well just given the talent level while they both operate very close to the rim um you know I, i think their skill sets um as they continue to play off each other and feed off each other we'll we'll see that
0: and to your point, uh, with Brooks hitting these two, hitting two threes this past week, even if one banked in, it still counts on the score sheet and means the teams have to respect that. He's a good passer. I would love to see him trigger, uh, you know, trigger the ball low a little more. At least, at least his his veteran uh, experience could help start the offense a little more than maybe he has been because we've seen issues with the perimeter players making good feeds to the to the post.
1: I mean, I think. He- um, he's been very good catching uh, really on the left block and then kind of turning into the paint and seeing uh, somebody diagonal open from three and hitting them with a hard, strong pass um, that they can really just catch it and go into their shot instead of, you know, catching it to the left or right. So that I've been happy with. Um, I thought he had a few good passes to Dayron down low. I think you get into trouble where somebody like Armando catches up, up top and teams don't know he's not going to shoot it once again he hit the shot against nc central but hasn't come close really on any of the other 12 foot jump shots and that's where you get a lot of trouble um at least with dayron he's such a good passer he can throw it down low but i think you get into trouble when armando is the one catching it up top and he did have a few nice drives to the basket even even some of the left-handed ones that he missed but um without kind of that shooting ability or passing ability you kind of lose his skill set when he's right there.
0: All right. So let's, uh, before we put a bow on this show, let's look forward to Miami this week. Um, I'm going to assume that Chris likes his back just because I really want to watch him play. And I love seeing guys that are five foot, nothing, you know, getting 30 points a game, which I fully expect him to get 30 points against the Tar Heels. If he plays Uh, Sherelle, what do you expect to see out of, out of the matchup with Miami? And and do you think we'll continue to see a, a new lineup or you think we might stick with one that we saw last week?
2: I think uh, Kerwin Walton and De'Ron Sharp and Armando Bacot, I think have solidified themselves as starters for the rest of the season. I think it'd be pretty difficult at this point to pull them out um, just because their play has been very good. Um, and Walton, because he does something that no one else, frankly on the team is capable of doing at a level above 30%, um, which is, you know, hitting threes, uh, I guess Andrew Playtech as well. Uh, but, you know, I think Walton, has proven to be invaluable uh, for this team. And you were talking about how Sharp and how um, Baycott kind of worked together and having two centers and everything. Just having Walton out there, man, you could see the space start to open up a little bit just from by himself, literally by himself, hitting those threes. Uh, you, you could see the lane open up a little bit. There were some, some better angles to enter into the post to get Sharp the ball. Um, so I think he's solidified. After that, I think it's kind of a... a a hot hand deal. I think leaky's played much better. If we're going to crush him when he mm-hmm. plays bad, we have to acknowledge him when he plays good. I think he's been, you know, f- fairly competent to to good the last couple of games. Steadier, uh, anyway. Steadier, steadier is a very good word. Very much steadier. Um, I think from there it's kind of a hot hand approach. You know, R.J. Davis was set to start uh on Saturday, but was late. Was late, and so Caleb started. And I think you'll see where Williams going to go with whoever is playing the best in that particular game. Um, and, and that'll be the lineup moving forward. Whether or not Garrison gets back in there, I don't know, because that will require taking out Brooks or Sharp, at, or excuse me, Baycott or Sharp. And, and both <laughs> and that's your just, offense right now. Yeah, but right now they're, they're giving you everything. So uh, against Miami, you know, I'm curious to see if there's going to be any change to how North Carolina handles ball screens since they're gonna see so many. If you know they start switching things at the top, I mean you know, maybe they play zone for a possession or two with, with their length just to, just to switch things up. Um, so I'm curious to see if there's going to be any kind of wrinkles like that just because, um, you know, North Carolina's big men didn't do a good job of, of recovering. And, and the way they hedged against uh, Leszewski, you know, just let them wide open time after All time day. after time. And I understand that is the scheme, but part of that also is, is not playing. Um, up to par, I, I would say, uh, on the players' part. So, combination of those things. I'm just curious to see how um, they handle that.
0: Yeah, and it's something I'd I'd love to ask you about too, Sean. Do you think we're going to see, based on what we saw uh, against Georgia Tech, you think there may be some other one-three-one uh, defense in the future against the Tar Heels because they sure did struggle with that down the stretch against Georgia Tech.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll we'll see a lot of uh, a lot of zone going forward, and then on offense, just trying to involve the bigs and pick and roll um, just because, you know, they've played it differently, but um, it's still, still an issue when they're not able to stop the ball handler um, and kind of letting the offense dictate versus the defense dictating what's happening. Um, I think Miami, you know, from a talent perspective, they're in the very bottom tier of the ACC, in my opinion. Um, So this should not be a loss. I know Ken Palm only has it as a three point game, but, at the same time, they are getting some more players. They beat Purdue, which I still don't understand how they <laughs> they, they did beat Purdue given Purdue's lead on them. But um, I feel, also feel like Jim Larinaga also knows how to coach against uh, Roy Williams Always in terms has. of he knows the spots to pick on offense. He know you know on defense, they're uh, you know I think top thirty in terms of um, not giving up offensive rebounds, which is obviously Carolina's strength. So. From a talent perspective, you would expect Carolina to win, but um, you never know with Miami, um, especially what wrinkles Larinaga will have. And I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot of open corner threes off uh, <laughs> dribble, pre- dribble penetration. Dribble drive. Yep. Yep.
0: I love that, uh, Sherelle, Give me one thing that you would like to see this week, aside from you know, aside from the obvious wins. What's something you would like to see from this team this week?
2: Um, continue to take care of the ball. Um, you know, we've, we've been very critical of the freshman guards of the team really with turnovers. And I think they were below 10 on Saturday. They started with five
0: in the first five and then just went quiet, which was ended with eight, which is phenomenal for such a young, young back. Right. Granted,
2: you know, Notre Dame is a terrible (laughs) team. So let's, let's make sure we consider that. Um, but just, if they can do that, just don't throw the ball away and get the ball to your bigs and you have a good chance. Even, Even if you're shooting 31 or 32 or 33% from three, you know, they've kind of broken through and and shot a little bit better because of Walton. So they don't, they don't need like to go crazy from three. (laughs) They just need just small little bits and they need need shot attempts. If they can just not turn the ball over, they're going to get more shots than their opponents more than likely. And that will allow them to to win games.
0: Sean, what's something you want to see
2: this week?
1: Um, I want to see continued improvement from the freshman guards. I think, Um, you know, we had talked about it ad nauseum in terms of them playing together and the plus minus and whatever all the numbers were saying. Uh, So it was, I think, a good step to see them play differently. Um, You know, going to the Georgia Tech game, and I'm trying to, you know, UNC went on the 8-0 run to take the lead, and Georgia Tech called a timeout, and I think UNC substituted – they put in love for Davis – And at the time, I was wondering, you know, why why are you not kind of keeping up with the same lineup? And then uh, kind of on the flip side against uh, Notre Dame, and I know Davis, you know, led the team in plus minus, but I thought Caleb had been playing well um, as Carolina was starting to come back. I think they were still down four, but I like what I was seeing from Caleb at the end where he hit a jump shot, um, he missed the pull up, but it was in and out. So I thought it was a, a good shot. Mm-hmm. And then he made the three pointer. Um, he, he, followed the three pointer up by playing tough defense on hub. And then he actually switched when they tried to run the pick and roll with, um, with, uh, the guy who killed us, uh, big,
0: Lischewski. Lischewski. Yeah. um,
1: and that possession ended up with kind of Notre Dame's offense, just stopping running it. And they tried to get the ball to the mismatch ended up taking a fourth shot and the ball went out of bounds um, for Carolina. So those few possessions, I thought Love played really well. Um, and once again, it's just, can they continue to do that, knowing that, okay, now you're the primary ball handler um, in the game and you don't have to go back and forth with, you know, Love or Davis. And when they're in the game, can they just start to improve a little bit here and there? Um, not asking for a lot, but I think if you can get, steady improvement that'll that'll help in the long run
0: well and also you know Caleb Love this won't show up in the stat sheet but I do think uh, he was much more active in passing lanes yesterday got his hands on a couple of deflections deflections. yeah and I think that bodes well for him if nothing else keeping guys engaged history will tell you is most is more likely to help them break out of an offensive funk than than anything else Um, and just you know I'll throw in my own thing I'd love to see the continued a stability of Leaky Black. I'd love to see him be able to build on hitting that game winner. I think that's obviously the biggest, uh, probably the biggest shot he's hit in, in his career. So I'd love to see that continue to grow for him because I think the team, uh, the team can only get better as he continues to, to stabilize. All right, Cheryl, you 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 seem to be telling me I've got some vibes here that <laughs> you want to you want to throw one more bit of chum into the water for Sean before we, we Yeah,
2: end up. just just one last question. So we talked about the instability of the lead guards and some of the stability that Leaky Black has brought and he was recruited to North Carolina initially as a lead guard and he played some last year and started games at lead guard. So John, what do you think of uh, he played a couple of minutes against Notre Dame at league guard as well. So what do you think of, of increasing Hitmann is there to try and stabilize the position?
1: I guess then the question goes to who, you know, assuming Walton is being paired with him, who's mm-hmm. getting that other other wing spot? And I think that, you know, that's the question. Um, in terms of Leaky running the point. First, I've enjoyed him guarding the point, um, you know, whether it was Kentucky or Georgia Tech or last game, I think he's done a pretty, pretty good job. Cause at times he's struggled on the wings, uh, but I, I have thought he's done well defensively. Um, you know, we've talked about it before. Leaky's at his strongest where he's grabbing the defensive rebound and pushing the ball up the floor and kind of initiating the offense. Um, you know, I think his vision still is a question mark, especially on the break, but once again, if we're playing a little bit slower than everybody's accustomed to, I I do kind of like it because it takes a non-shooter and it allows them to kind of dictate where the ball's going to the shooters or to the scorers a little bit more, Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see that more, especially the freshmen, continue to struggle, and I do think he is equipped, um, you know, to kind of hopefully continue to to have strong games. Once again, he's still playing 29, 31 minutes. At times, I I think that is, can be a lot where it's an offensively challenged team, but even from the benching that he took, I thought he's been taking smarter shots. Um, And I do think when he is able to get into the paint, he has an advantage, you know, even if he's missing there, he's taking better shots. I thought once he's got into the paint, Um, you know, on the little six foot, six foot two guards, just because of his size. So, I think UNC is trying to use him in different ways. I think trying to see him um, at the point guard a little bit more. uh, I definitely think that could, you know, could be positive for the team and the wings that are trying to
0: get shots. Cheryl, is that an acceptable answer for you? Yeah. I I like the, (laughs) the idea of,
2: of initiator versus facilitator. I think it, it, it gives you a perfect insight into his strengths. Initiation versus facilitation and that's not a shot at him or anything but that's what he's good at and i, I think that could really help you and see in stretches i'm not saying to to bench rj davis or, or caleb love permanently but just in stretches if, if maybe the other team is on a run and caroline just needs to make sure they get into their stuff uh maybe you lean on a junior to be able to do that
0: well and if anything you know everything's better in moderation, right? You take a, take a spot just like uh, the staff does with the run and jump, or just like they do with anytime they, they throw out a a zone defense. It's just a little bit just to throw the other team off kilter. It works both ways. Uh, Sean, I love the, uh, I I love the analogy there. I appreciate you bringing that boys. Any last thoughts before we, uh, before we close up shop this week?
1: Um, I'll go with my, my two thoughts <laughs> as, as always one. Do, do, we,
0: do we need to make a segment like with a sounder I, I, and everything? For, I, for, Sean's, Sean's two cents before we go home.
1: <laughs> um, the first one is, is Dayron. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you kind of started to notice it, but Notre Dame didn't do a great job, but of teams trying to force him away from his left shoulder, everything he does mm-hmm. is pivot toward the left and kind of right hook or, or go. And, you know, once again, teams are going to start to shade him differently. So it'll be interesting to see how teams do that and how he responds to that. But once again, I know, you know, he missed eight of 18, but the energy he played and the fact that he was the one who's dominating when UNC needed to come back was a great sign. And then um, I kind of skipped over the question earlier. So I'm just going to go to this, but you asked, you know, is there anybody you'd like to see uh, get a scholarship offer? And this one's probably kind of a, uh, long shot but uh, AJ Casey who's a 6'8 kind of stretch four from Chicago was a you know let's see what he's ranked right now he's ranked uh, 21 um, and UNC hasn't had success in Chicago that's usually Duke's area um, and he's transferred a few times but he's a guy that I remember watching as a freshman at one of the USA basketball events and being um, you know pretty impressed with his ability at that point so that, that's a guy outside of kind of the two guards that we need to focus on of, of one that I'm interested in outside of North Carolina.
0: All right. Well, your two cents have been deposited into the bank of information for our listeners. And we appreciate it as always boys. It's been fun. I really appreciate you guys making the time every week and, and always bringing your a games. Hopefully we'll have more wins to talk about next week. Cause I do think it gives us a much better vibe on the show, <laughs> uh, but we appreciate you being here as always. Sean Moran, Sherelle McMillan, Great insight, great information. Those of you guys who are listening and or watching, we appreciate you being here too. Happy New Year to you. Make sure you rate and review the podcast. This has been Coast to Coast on InsideCarolina.com. We will catch you next time, as always. Late.
1: Thanks for listening to another podcast from insidecarolina.com, brought to you by Johnny T-shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase?